Hey, welcome everybody. It is almost 2018. How many of you never thought you'd see this? Go ahead, raise your hand. I know. Some of you, this is a surprise. And hey, be wait, before we get started, I've got to say something about some rock stars that are here this morning. Um, first group of rock stars are those who were greeting this morning, standing outside in the below freezing weather, making sure that everybody received a smile and a handshake. The doors got opened up. I don't know what sins they were repenting of by going out there and doing that. But man, we appreciate those guys and gals for that, and thank you so very much. Another set of rock stars, Jeremy and Whitney Davis. Where are you guys? Where are you? Wave. There they are, over here. Welcome home. Welcome home from Peru. If you're visiting with us here at East Brainerd, Jeremy, Whitney, and their two girls, uh, they live currently in Huancayo, Peru, and they have been there now uh, for uh, about a year and a half. Is that about right, Jeremy? And they are in the beginning stages of what um, has been envisioned of at least a five-year uh, mission opportunity there in Peru. And so they are here on furlough, and they're back home, and we're so glad. They usually are, are watching online and worshiping uh, vicariously over the uh, internet, but today they get to be here, and uh, in much, um, it almost feels like home for you, doesn't it? Cool today, right? I know. Uh, it didn't see llama parkas as you came in, but man, we are so glad to have you guys here and to be with us this morning. And they, don't worry, if you're not able to see them today, they're, they're going to be around all month. They're, they're not going to be going back until later on uh, in January, and so they'll be here into the new year. Uh, Jeremy is going to be visiting some of our Bible classes. Whitney will be doing the same. Uh, Jeremy's going to be uh, leading us in a study during one of our worship times coming up in January, and so we're going to get to catch up with them and, and hug on the girls a lot, and if you didn't know this, they're expecting number three. And so that is a, a wonderful thing, so continue to be in prayer for them. There's another set of rock stars, but these are uh, not here. They're actually watching uh, from home. Today is my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. Can you believe that? Isn't that awesome? Yeah, give them a round of applause. 50 years for my mom and dad. I am so excited for them. Uh, my only request is that you do not go and spend all of my inheritance at once tonight. I appreciate that. Um, save a little bit for me and the grandkids, but otherwise, I wish mom and dad, I hope you guys have a great, a great anniversary and congratulations on making it to, to number 50. All right. Any other rock stars in the room? Anybody just want to say you're a rock star this morning if you feel left out? Just turn to the person next to you. Do this. Just turn to the person next to you and say, hey, you're a rock star. Go ahead. I don't want to leave anybody out this morning and have you leave, have you leave saying, I can't believe the preacher didn't recognize me as a rock star, all right? So now you've had, you've had your moment. You know, I was trying to decide how to resolve this series that we've been doing in December. You can see from the screens that we've been going through a series called Almost Christmas. And maybe you walked in this morning and you saw uh, this makeshift stable area here with this manger underneath, and you were like, what, what is that still doing up? I mean, after all, it's not almost Christmas anymore. We've already had Christmas. 
Apparently somebody didn't get the memo. We didn't get the stage cleaned off. Somebody forgot to update Chris's calendar. Something happened, a little too much eggnog, a little too early. And for whatever reason, we've still got all the Christmas things going on. But I thought, you know, what if, what if Christmas came after all the buildup, after all the expectation, after all of the being told it's almost Christmas. What if Christmas came and you missed it? What if Christmas came and you missed it? You heard about it, been looking forward to it, knew that it was coming sometime in the future, but for whatever reason, maybe you were too busy, maybe things just got out of control, maybe it was circumstances beyond what you could handle. And you missed it. That's, that's kind of what was going on in the life of a guy by the name of Simeon. Brent introduced you to him earlier. He was a man, according to Scripture, who was living in Jerusalem. He was righteous. He was devout. And he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah of God. He'd been told, it's almost Christmas. And he was waiting. He was looking forward to, he was anticipating. He's up on his tiptoes trying to see just over the curtain of eternity. When is it going to be that God will reveal the final consolation of Israel? So I want you to picture in your mind for a moment. A gentleman quick in steps as he is walking the streets of Jerusalem. White hair, face wizened with the years that can only come from living there in Palestine. He's hurrying through the streets. People in the market call his name. He quickly gives a wave, but he doesn't stop to talk. Neighbors that he sees tries to engage him in conversation, but he's too busy and he's too focused. He sees friends standing on the corner, but he doesn't have time to talk because he is on a mission and he has got to get to the temple. You see, an incredible moment occurred for Simeon 40 days after the birth of Jesus. 40 days after the angels welcomed the shepherds, 40 days after the story that you are so familiar with was told. Forty days after God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. It had been a whole month. It had been a month of Sundays. It had been a month and ten days. And guess what? Simeon had missed it. He wasn't at the manger. He wasn't in Bethlehem. There were no angels to tell him. But all the time he had been waiting and now on this particular day, 40 days after, and we, we know that because of Jewish law, because the Torah says that once a woman gave birth, she became ceremonially unclean. And after eight days, the boy would be taken and be circumcised, and then there would be 33 days later, and the parents were required to offer a sacrifice. And so Joseph and Mary had brought their, their son to the temple, 
It's the day of sacrifice. It's the day of dedication. But for Simeon, it was the day of celebration. Because this was the day that the Spirit of God led Simeon to the temple. Now, I don't know, maybe he had other plans. Maybe he had hoped to be able to stay home with the grandkids that day. Maybe there was something he wanted to do in his garden. I don't know what he had planned on, but his plans were interrupted as we've seen throughout the stories that we have been looking at. His plans were interrupted and all of a sudden there is this nudging, there is this push, a prompting. We don't know if it came from the call of a neighbor. Maybe it was just his wife saying, Simeon, you have got to get out of the house. Somehow though, he knew. He knew that it was time to go to church. He knew it was time to go to the temple. It wasn't the first time. It wasn't the first time that he had been nudged by God. It wasn't the first time that he had in some way been, been led by the Spirit. You see, there in our text in Luke chapter 2, it says in verse 26 that the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die He would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Now you've got to wonder, what does a message like that do to someone? What does a message like that do when when all of a sudden you realize that one day you're going to see God? What does that do to a person? Does it impact the way you use your free time? Does it change the way you view the relationships around you? Do you think it, you think it impacts in any way the, the way you look at your money and how you handle your finances? Do you think it will affect what you do on Saturday nights and who you do it with? What does it do to you if you know that someday you're going to see God? We know what it did to Simeon. He was constantly expecting the Messiah. One translation says he was living in expectation of the salvation of Israel. He watched and waited, another text says. He's a man that's on his tiptoes. He's a man that can't wait. He has heard Christmas is coming. The time is going to come. God's promises are going to be kept. And the salvation of Israel is going to be realized. It's going to be here and it's going to be now. Now the Greek language is very rich with its terms. It has a full stable of verbs to to talk about looking at something. And so if you were to say that you wanted to look up, there was one word that you could use. If, if you were to look away, there's another word. To look upon and to look in on something, that, those things, those have their own special, specific words. To look at something intently requires one word, and to look over something carefully requires another. But there was a very specific term very specific word that was used here to talk about what was going on in the life of Simeon as it talked about how he was eagerly anticipating, how he was looking for the coming Messiah. The word that was used, prostek omahi, combines two words. One means to wait, the other means forward. 
You combine them together and you get something that for us sounds like bad grammar. Waiting forwardly is what it says Simeon was doing. He was waiting forwardly for the coming, for the revelation of the Lord's Messiah. I like to look at it this way. Simeon got up every single day saying, perhaps today, perhaps today. And he waited with expectation. He was calmly expectant, perhaps today. His eyes were open. Every single person that he met, he would scan their eyes. He would scan everything about them, wondering, could this be the day that I am able to see with my own eyes the Messiah of God? So he winds his way through the narrow streets and over the cobblestone paths. Finally, he enters into the temple courts, and even when it wasn't a holiday, it seemed as though it was always bumper-to-bumper traffic. There were always people to rub shoulders with. And he would have to say, excuse me, pardon me, as he tried to move his way, looking through the crowd. There was something that kept nudging him. Not this one, not this one, maybe not that one either. There's got to be, I know it's going to be today. Perhaps today. You know, no one else had reason to notice the young parents. No one else had reason to pay them any mind. People journeyed to the temple for one reason, and that is to see God. And no one expected God to be found in the arms of a teenager from Nazareth. But perhaps today, he whispers. And then he sees them. He sees them and something with inside him allows him to understand that right there, right there, where no one else is looking, where no one else is paying attention, there is the anointed of God. And I want you to picture in your mind as he begins to go quicker now, as he begins to rush by individuals trying to get his way to where Mary and Joseph are standing and people keep blocking his path and he's trying to walk around and he's trying to get through. It's worse than getting a honey-baked ham at Christmas here in Chattanooga and you're trying to find out where is he? Finally, he reaches the couple and they stop and turn to him and he takes the baby in his arms and he thanks God And Luke records so that we can know the thoughts of his heart. Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. For I have seen your salvation which you have prepared for all people. And he is a light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of of your people, Israel. You see, he missed the angels. He missed the shepherds. He missed the stable. He missed the manger. He missed all the parts of the story that we hold so close, but he didn't miss seeing God. Because God keeps his promises. 
And that's the first takeaway I want you to understand this morning. Is that Christmas reminds us that God keeps his promises. Why do we still have this here on stage when we say, well, Christmas morning is over and all the buildup and, and all the excitement that leads up to December 25th, it's past and gone. It's New Year's. After all, we're getting our picture made after services, Chris, with 2018 emblazoned across our forehead. We left this for you so that you could look here and remember the promise keeper. And go into a new year with an understanding that the God who promised to walk with you in 2017 is the same God who promises to walk with you in 2018. That the God who offered salvation in 2017 is the same saving God in 2018. That the God who promised to hear your prayers this year is the same God that promises to listen when you cry out to him next year. We wanted you to be able to see this and to think about the Christmas story and the events around the birth of Jesus so that you could leave here going, there's not a lot of things that I know in life, but here's one thing I understand. My God keeps his promises. You see, 2,000 years before, 2,000 years before Simeon, 4,000 years before you and before me, a promise was given to Abraham that through his descendants, all nations would be blessed. And we have studied already in December how that since that time, there was always a remnant. There were always those who were patiently expecting, waiting for the fulfillment of the promise of God. They were forwardly waiting. Perhaps today could be the day, they would say, Perhaps today would be the day as Zechariah goes into the temple and finds out he's going to be a dad. Perhaps today could be the day Mary discovers when she and Joseph are blindsided by news that they never expected to hear. Perhaps today could be the day Simeon whispered as he raced through the streets of Jerusalem checking every face, looking for the one that would reveal the Messiah of God. See, it's important for us to understand this because we live between the advents. Now, the word advent comes from the Latin adventus and simply means the coming or an arrival. And when Simeon sees the child after the first advent, the first coming, he says, now. He says, now, 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 Lord, I can, I can die in peace. He uses this term now it, where he's speaking about a moment. It's a, it's a time. It indicates that something is, is happening. It's a word that we use to say, now it's time for dinner. We say, now we can start. Now it's time to go. And he says, now. Now, because of what I have seen, my life is complete. You see, he saw the arrival of Jesus as a now moment, the first day in a new era. 
Now there was something that was different. Now the author of life had turned the page and there was going to be a new chapter. And he didn't know what to name the chapter, but we do. We understand more. The New Testament denotes this period between the advents as the last days. It's an expression that refers to the whole period introduced at Christ's coming. The last days as opposed to those days that came before in the Old Testament. Those days that were pointing towards the time where, hey, it's almost Christmas. You see, we live between the advents. And the second advent will include a the personal and sudden and visible bodily return of Christ. Jesus promised, he said, I will come again. He said, I will come again. And the Hebrews writer says, look, he will come, but not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who were eagerly, what? Waiting for him. To all the Simeons of the world. To all those who are up on their tiptoes looking over the curtain of eternity saying, when will it be? When will all the sorrow and when will all the pain and when will all the bad news and when will all of the turmoil and when will everything that seems to be beating down on humanity, when will it finally be over? Waiting. And God promises, perhaps today, You see, he came quietly in Bethlehem, but he will return in glory with a shout, and all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. In Bethlehem, Joseph placed the baby into a manger, but when he returns, we will see him seated on a throne. In Bethlehem, the just-born Jesus slept, but when he returns, the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with a trumpet call of God. At his first coming, few noticed. At his second, all the nations of the world will be gathered before him. I like the way that the Apostle Peter describes this moment. He says, on that day, he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt away in the flames. But understand, we don't need to be afraid. Because we are Here's the word. Do you see that? That looking forward right there? It's the exact same word that was used to describe the attitude that Simeon had. The way in which he lived his life. The expectant waiting. The forward looking. The way in which he went about every single day saying, perhaps today, this could be the day. Scripture uses the exact same word. He says, but you know what? We are on our tiptoes and we're looking forward to the new heavens and a new earth because he has promised. And it's a world that is filled with God's righteousness. You see, Christmas reminds us that today could be the day. Today could be the day. The wait for a world filled with God's righteousness comes to an end. The wait to be able to be reunited with those who have gone before finally comes. The wait to experience all of those great songs of heaven that have just kept us so filled with faith through the years that finally 
the things that we have sung about now come to fruition. The wait could finally be over because today could be the day. Peter says the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient. He's being patient for your sake. He says he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to decide that today is going to be the day. Today is going to be the day that I finally give myself over to God. Today is going to be the day that my faith comes to obedience. Today is going to be the day that I'm baptized into Christ for the remission of my sins and I start things over. Today is going to be the day that I make things right with my family. Today is going to be the day that I make things right with my spouse. Today is going to be the day that I I make things right with my neighbor. Today is going to be the day that I make things right with my church family. He's patient and he's waiting because today could be the day. And he doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone, it says, to repent. It's a word that means to change the way that you think. Yesterday, I only thought about myself, but today I'm going to think about God. Yesterday, it was all about what I could achieve and what I could gain. But today, it's how much can I give away and what can I do for the Lord? Yesterday, it was all about where I was going and what I was doing and what I wanted to achieve. And today, it's all about, Lord, where do you want me to go? He's waiting and being patient for your sake. And because of the promise, because of the promise that Jesus will one day be seen again, that, that things that we know it will be changed forever, Peter asks a very important question. He says, what kind of people ought you to be? Or in another way, how should I live knowing that today could be the day that I see God? See, Simeon knew how to wait for the arrival of Christ. The way he waited for the first coming is a model of how we should all wait for the second. He is described in verse 25 of the text as being someone who is righteous and devout and who eagerly waited for the Messiah to come. Could that be said of you in 2018? Could it be said of you in this year that's coming to a close? Could it be said of you as you look forward to whatever it is that God has in store, that you are going to live righteous, that you are going to devote yourself to the cause of the kingdom of God, and you're going to get up on your tiptoes saying, perhaps today could be the day that the Messiah again comes. You see, throughout our study, 
there's really been one common denominator that has been seen in the lives of everyone that we've talked about. From Zachariah and Elizabeth to Mary and Joseph and now to Simeon. They were individuals who lived life on God's terms and on God's timetable. And I wonder if we if maybe we should not take that as our mantra going into the new year. That we are going to be individuals who say, you know what? I'm going to live on God's schedule. And I'm not going to worry about the trips to the doctor. And I'm not going to worry about my plans. And I'm not going to worry about all the things that it seems are in upheaval around me. I'm going to live on God's timetable. And I'm going to live on God's terms. I'm going to do things God's way. As I actively anticipate the coming of the Savior. You see, one look into the face of Jesus and Simeon knew that the hope, the hope that he had had for so long finally had come to fulfillment. And that it was worth it. And I have no doubt that there is coming a day. There's coming a day when we will be able to look into the eyes of our Savior, when we will see him as he is. And it will be the same for us. And we will know that our waiting has not been in vain. So how will you live in 2018 knowing that this could be the year that you see God? I leave you with another verse from Peter. Dear friends, while you're waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. It's almost Christmas. Perhaps today. Father, I thank you so much for the gift of Jesus Christ and for the salvation that is found through him. It is what has drawn us all here today. It's what connects us, even though we come from different backgrounds. Father, we don't know what 2018 has in store. We don't know what is going to happen in this year to come. But because we have focused on your son over these last few weeks, we know one thing for certain, that you will keep your promise. That you will keep your promise and no matter what takes place in our life, that there is coming a day where we, where we will see the one who is our salvation. Until that time, my prayer is that we would live peaceful and quiet lives. That we would be righteous, being clothed in the righteousness of your son. That we would devote ourselves to your kingdom. That we would focus only on those things which you place a priority. 
that the way in which we view our relationships, the way in which we see the time that we have, the way in which we look at all the blessings that we have been given, that everything will be focused through the prism of the coming of our Savior. And my prayer is that we will be changed because of it. That our families will be different. That our marriages will be unique. That our word will be true. That our hearts will be open to our neighbors. That our church would be a beacon of hope and forgiveness. And Father, because I know that you have promised to hear our prayers, we say thank you for all that you have done in the years before and for all that you will do in ever how many years are to come. Until that day, may we live as Simeon, righteous, devout, eagerly anticipating the coming of the Messiah. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Perhaps today is the day that you make things right with the God who sent his son so that you could be his child. Do you need to come? We encourage you to do so as together we stand and give praise. Mm -hmm.